Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Do we in our time have an answer to the question of what we really mean by the word being? The Life and Thought of Martin Heidegger. Our aim in the following treatise is to work out the question of the meaning of being and to do so concretely. Heidegger's being in time is both undoubtedly important and virtually unreadable. In der Weltzeit. Being in the world. Sein zum Tode. Being toward death. Geworfenheit. Thrown ahead necessity. Great philosophical concepts or mere impenetrable jargon? There are two uncontestable facts about Heidegger. Our guest is Thomas Sheehan, author of Making Sense of Heidegger. One is that he was a brilliant philosopher. The other was that he was a nefarious Nazi. Heidegger's troubled relationships from Husserl to Sartre to Hannah Arendt. The life and thought of Martin Heidegger. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. Now today, we're thinking about the philosophy and life, the life and thought of Martin Heidegger. One of my favorite philosophers, Ken. Oh, come on, John. You are kidding me. Surely you're getting me. Heidegger is the continental philosopher that analytically trained philosophers like you and me both. We love to hate that guy. Well, can't I admit that was my attitude for a long time? And I'm exaggerating a little in calling him a favorite. He's not up there with Hume. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, John. But Kevin Ginn, a graduate student at UC Riverside, convinced me to take another look at Heidegger, and with his help, I'm getting a bit of sense of what Heidegger was all about, and I'm finding it very interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, das nicht, nicht you find that interesting? I don't even know what that means. Or maybe it's Dasein you think is so cool. Well, das nicht it in English means nothing nuts. Uh, that perhaps isn't yet quite clear. We don't want to spend a lot of time talking about nothing. So let's talk about Dasein. I think that's a much more interesting, or at least a much more accessible idea of Heidegger's. Uh, you and I are Daseins. Rocks aren't, lizards aren't, most a other animals aren't, but we are. Okay, Daseins, human beings are Daseins. Why didn't he just say, well, I want to talk about human beings. What's with the Dasein thing? Well, I think the special terminology uh, uh, being there gets at his idea that that's where human beings start out. We're thrown into the world. We're part of the world. Uh, uh, we don't, we don't, we're not something... Anyway... It's supposed to contrast, say, with a Cartesian point of view. A Cartesian ego is basically just a thinker, an observer, an immaterial entity who reasons from its own existence and ideas to God's existence and hence to the world and other people. The starting point is an immaterial soul and its ideas. Heidegger rejects all that. For Descartes, the struggle is to justify belief in the rest of the world, but not for Heidegger. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you saying, is Heidegger saying that if I'm a Dasein, then I'm not a thinker and an observer? That doesn't sound so cult. No, no, no. no not, it, it, Heidegger doesn't deny that we think and observe. But for him, seeing yourself as a mind that's separate from the world, like Descartes does, can only be the result of an intellectual struggle. It's not, it's not the starting point of human life or of philosophy. For Heidegger, the world isn't presented to me through my ideas. As Dasein, I'm basically 
in the world. I'm basically an agent and a doer fully immersed in the world and using various of its parts as tools for my projects. I don't get it, John. I mean, isn't having a mind that can represent, you know, represent the outside world and form ideas about it and have thoughts about it, isn't that what makes us different from rocks and, and, and even from lizards that just stick out its tongues at things? No, no, the, the basic difference uh, 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 isn't that rocks and lizards are immersed in the world and you, you're some, of car- some kind of Cartesian ego that's not. Rocks simply persist through time. Animals, and plants too for that matter, react to circumstances in order to survive and reproduce. But humans lead lives. They form projects. They have goals, and they make choices about how to achieve them, and the world comes in as tools, that you, uh, they, as providing tools that they use for those activities. Well, you know, okay, I'm going to try and be more open-minded than I was taught to be about Heidegger. You know, he sounds sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit like a naturalist. I'm a card-carrying naturalist, card-carrying member of the Naturalistic Party. We think consciousness, intentionality, thought, all that stuff is just part of nature, immersed in the material world and not really separate from it. Is that is that kind of what he's thinking? Well, you're having an inside, Ken, although I wouldn't want to overdo it. I mean, Heidegger's, you don't find a lot of talk in Heidegger about evolution and biology and humans being part of all that. But I think he has this insight, this position that naturalists have to have, which is that we are part of the world and all of our thinking and all of our philosophy and all of our literature is ultimately grounded in this very basic relationship that we have to things when we use them in our projects. So mm-hmm. so he agrees with the naturalist, I think, in a fundamental way. Well, that, that that's that cool. That sounds kind of cool. I, I can get around that. But there's one thing, you know, there's one thing you sort of left out. The guy was a Nazi. Come on, how can we be talking about a Nazi? Well... It makes me a little bit uncomfortable that Heidegger was a member of the Nazi party, but then good ideas are where you find them. All I really know, I'm not a scholar about this, Heidegger did join the Nazi party in the early 30s, probably as a condition or as a part of becoming rector at the University of Freiburg, which he wanted to do. He gave up that job not too long after that. In the meantime, people disagree about whether he was an enthusiastic Nazi or a reluctant and somewhat opportunistic dupe. Well, you know, we sent a roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to find out about this dark side of Heidegger. She files this report. In 1925, Martin Heidegger was a philosophy professor in Freiburg, Germany. And he was quite the superstar. Heidegger was a real celebrity uh, when he was a, a young professor in his 30s. That's Joshua Rothman, an editor at The New Yorker. He says Heidegger was a really charismatic guy. As a young professor, uh, you know, people had a a fervent admiration for Heidegger and and students, you know, fell under his spell. Including female students, like 19-year-old Hannah Arendt. She was an undergraduate student in his philosophy class. And he sent her a note being like, we should meet. (laughs) More specifically, Heidegger wrote, Dear Miss Arendt, I must come to see you this evening and speak to your heart. I will never be able to call you mine, but from now on, you will belong in my life. That led to their affair, even though Heidegger was married. But let's step back a few years. Heidegger was born in rural Germany in 1889. In university, he studied philosophy, and by 1923, Heidegger was the intellectual star of Germany. Two years later, his affair with Hannah Arendt began. 
But that ended when Arendt fled Germany. The Nazi party had risen to power, and she was Jewish. Shortly after that, you know, Heidegger became a Nazi. When Hitler came to power, Heidegger got promoted. He became the president of the university. Heidegger embraced the Nazi party. When his esteemed mentor, Edmund Husserl, got fired from Freiburg University for being Jewish, Heidegger did nothing to defend him. He also denied financial aid to non-Aryan students. After the war ended, the Nazi party fell, and Heidegger fell from grace. But his Jewish lover from almost two decades earlier came to his defense. A big reason why Heidegger's reputation survived being a Nazi is because Hannah Arendt defended him, because he did very little to defend himself or to apologize for his uh, membership in the Nazi party during the war. Heidegger remained pretty much silent on the subject. Hannah Arendt, in defending him, essentially argued like that he, had, he was politically stupid and he was bad at politics, but he was great at philosophy. This was sort of the idea. But Rothman says that's a weak argument. It's hard to say of someone who is supposed to be a genius that they just got swept up in it because they weren't thinking very clearly. Especially after Heidegger's secret memoir, the so-called Black Notebooks, were published in 2014. So he wrote in these black notebooks his whole life, and he, before he died, set up a schedule of publication for the notebooks. The final notebooks published were the ones he wrote during World War II, in which he used his own philosophy to make anti-Semitic statements. He'll say, well, you know, Jews are uh, a naturally calculating race, and like more so than other people, uh, you know, they're less good at authentic being because they're, they, they actually, in some sense, embody the modern impulse towards making use of everything that you see around you. Rothman says that raises a big question. Does it mean that intrinsically Heidegger's ideas are bad, that they can be used in this bad way? So, you know, I tend to think Heidegger took his own thoughts and he screwed them up, but it doesn't mean that his original thoughts weren't good. Joshua Rothman admits, it's hard to read Heidegger and ignore his racist politics. But it's also a shame to disregard Heidegger's philosophy because of his politics. Martin Heidegger himself once said, He who thinks great thoughts often makes great errors. Maybe he was talking about himself. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.